Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Beautiful people. <laughs> uh, ushers, can we get her out of here, please? No. Hey, everybody, good to see you. Glad to be here with you. Uh, my name is Michael Singer, and I am on staff here at Freedom House. I'm a service pastor up at our Lake Norman campus, so typically I'm there. But I'm doing the summer tour through all the campuses. Come on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to be here at Central. Uh, we have a teaching team, so when I mention I'm doing the summer tour, we have a team of teachers that we actually go to the different campuses. Some of us rotate more than others. I'm glad I get to rotate here and see what the beautiful people of the central campus look like. Um, but we have live communicators, so if you're ever at another campus, uh, you'll see somebody live. So uh, just to give you a heads up on that, I'm part of that team and honored to be a part of that team. Um, I'm married, got three kids, and just love my life. And we have some people that are watching online, so we need to give it up for them. So y'all give a hand clap. We have Washington, Tennessee, Georgia, Virginia, South Carolina, Florida, and California. So it was all the state abbreviations that I actually know. <laughs> had there been others, we could have had a hard day ahead of us. Uh, so thank y'all for being here with us. Glad you're here. We're in this series called The Dog Days of Summer. And this is all about us not falling into the trap of just putting God on the back burner, taking a vacation from God, and becoming stagnant and not moving. I'm not talking about not having hard times or moments in life where we might feel stuck, but actually moments where we're beyond just feeling stuck. We're just done. Don't want to do it. Don't want to hear it. I feel like I've been trying to follow you, God, and been going after you, and I'm just having a moment where I just need to be with me, and why don't you just hang tight for a little bit, and we'll hook up sometime later. Those moments in life where we just want to put God and just take a vacation from him. Now, I love vacation. Actually, this last month of July, I've taken a lot of vacations, more like trips than I've ever had back to back to back. Tennessee, to the mountains, Alaska, and I recently just had an extremely fun trip to go fish out in the ocean with a very good friend. So it was a good time with a friend, catching a bunch of dumb stingrays that should have never bought our line. Gosh, dog it. Somebody, we're trying to find a recipe for stingrays. So if you know one, let me know. But it was a great time. But I made this statement to my friend as we were leaving. 
I said, man, I don't want to go back. You ever, you ever been on vacation? You just didn't want to go back. If you're not nodding your head, then you're lying. <laughs> but I didn't want to come back. But here's what I realized. I understand at the core of who I am that if I just treated my life like a vacation all the time, I wouldn't be making money. I'd probably lose my house. I wouldn't probably. I'd lose my house. My family would be on the streets. So I realize I got to come back because there's a consistency of life that actually gives me the fullness of life. And it's not just in that one moment of vacation. And that's what we're talking about. We're going to have moments where life is great. We're going to have moments where life is tough. But the key is, is God is saying, I consistently want to be with you in every moment because that's where the fullness and the true life comes over a consistent basis. I love what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth to remind them of this idea. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs but only one person gets the prize. So this is not modern day athletics where everybody gets a trophy. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So Paul's making a shift in this picture he's given. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise... I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What Paul is saying is the way that we keep from being disqualified is we don't just talk a good game, but we actually live and walk out a game for God. We actually allow God access because the thing that we're called to do is not just about winning a prize here that fades away. This is bigger than that. It's about something that is bigger than us. So we can't fall into the trap of putting God on vacation. Now, or taking a vacation from God. Now, hopefully you recognize there's two mats up here. And maybe you've asked the question, what are we doing, working out today? So I want to talk about these two mats because these two mats are going to be a picture of the topic and the principle that I want to draw out in today's message. So this mat right here reminds me of Natchitoches, Louisiana, North Natchitoches Elementary School, kindergarten class with Miss Spurlock, nap time. Y'all remember nap time? I don't know if they still do nap time in kindergarten, but if they don't, they are missing out on a, God's greatest principle. If you've never taken a nap, then I dare say you've never met God. Just one man's opinion. I love nap time, but this mat is going to represent sleep. Now, this mat, you can sleep on it, but that's not the intention of this mat. My wife uses this mat to do Pilates, so you can tell who actually works out in the house. Um, but I want to I talk about this mat as like Pilates or yoga, those specifically not to promote like Pilates or yoga, but I love those too because they're a little different than just going to the gym and busting out some burpees or just busting out, busting out some bench press or squatting and doing those kind of quick movements. These are like really, when I think of those, and I'm not, a, I'm not like a teacher on this, but it's like stretching kind of stuff. So this mat is going to represent stretching. This mat is sleeping. Now, I've only done yoga about four or five times. I won't tell you how many years that it spanned that I've only done it four or five times. And I did it watching P90X. P90X has an hour and a half long yoga thing. 
I never got through every pose and never made it through that whole daggone thing. And I truly believe if I ever make it through it all, God will look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. So I wanna talk about these two mats today, sleeping or stretching. And here's the question that I want you to walk away with that if you don't remember anything else, remember this question because I believe it'll pop up maybe tomorrow, maybe when you get home, maybe a week from now, a month from now, I hope even a year from now, this question resonates and we ask ourselves this question. The question I want you to leave with is what mat are we carrying? What mat are we carrying? In my marriage, am I sleeping or am I willing to be stretched? Am, am I just not loving my wife the way that God called me to love her? Or as a wife, am I not respecting my husband the way that God called me to because I'm mad at them? So am I sleeping or am I being stretched? As a parent, am I sleeping or am I being stretched? I talked to a gentleman after the first service and he said that he, his job, he works a lot. And so he's been being very intentional about making time to hang out with his kids and setting up things to give that time because he understands that very easily he could fall into the sleep of working all the time and miss out on those moments as a parent. So as a parent, are we sleeping or are we stretching? In our relationships, am I sleeping or stretching? Did somebody just say something that hurt me and I just gave up on the relationship? Or if I just get too comfortable, am I willing to engage? Am I willing to take the time to go, I really like that person. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stretch and actually hang out with them and get to know them and go beyond the surface. Am I sleeping or am I stretching? In my attitude, Am I sleeping and I'm just reacting and acting the way and responding to the way I want to respond because that feels good and it feels right? So am I sleeping or am I actually being stretched to go, all right, God, I'm really angry right now. I'm really sad right now. I'm really hurt right now. What am I going to do in my response? Because I do have control over that and that's my responsibility. In all the areas of our life, what mat are we carrying? Some of them, we might be carrying the stretching mat. Some of them, we might be sleeping or maybe we feel like we're just sleeping all together. Whatever it is, God wants us to ask that question, and we're going to talk about that today. But what I don't want you to hear is that it's not important to rest. I just told you I've been taking a lot of vacations. I'm not, like, upset or feel guilty about that. It was a beautiful thing. I feel great. I feel refreshed. It's important for us to dial down, get away from the craziness and the hustle bustle of life and just allow God to breathe his breath in us and have a moment of rest, whatever that looks like for you. You might not like what I like. Do what is good for you to feel like you're refreshed. I'm also not saying that we need to work, 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 go and earn our way to God, that we constantly need to stretch for the sole purpose of God loving us, caring about us, because the Bible is clear. There's no amount of work we can do to earn God's love. I actually want to go deeper with this today, beyond just the natural surface, and I want to look at spiritually, what is God calling us to at the depth of who we are when we ask the question, what mat are we carrying? So I want to read in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, because it expounds on this idea that we have to go deeper than just what's on the surface. Verse eight, chapter four, first Timothy. For athletic training only benefits you for a short season, but righteousness or right standing with God or deciding that God has a best in mind for us in following that, or he has an outline of life and is desiring us to follow. Righteousness following God's best 
brings lasting benefit in everything. For righteousness contains the promise of life for time and eternity. We can push through our life and try to achieve everything we want to achieve here on this earth. But it's only going to be a glimpse of what life can be because it's bound by time. So when we're gone from this earth, we no longer have the benefit of what we were striving for. However, when we choose to be stretched, when we choose to recognize that God calls us beyond just what's around us, then in our family, in our relationships, in our interactions, when we're at church and engaging in church, we can realize that, you know what? Paul said there's something eternal going on, that even when I leave, the way that I cared for somebody, the way that I loved somebody, the way that I shared how God had changed my life, that that will have an eternal impact. That when I'm gone, the way that I handled my responsibility and stretched as a dad, that my kids will feel the ripple effects of that from time and time to come. It's deeper than that. So let's look at a guy today who in the Bible had a mat. It's actually why I decided to talk about this today. And so we're going to look at the story of a guy who's carrying a mat, and we're going to see what we can learn when we ask ourselves, what mat am I carrying? We're going to go to John chapter 5. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through the beginning of verse 9 as we get into this story. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. If you don't know what colonnades are, just imagine something in your head and call it a colonnade. <laughs> Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Come on, Jesus. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured he picked up his mat, and he walked. Let's understand and make sure we're clear of what's going on in this story. You have Jesus that encounters this man. The man has been an invalid for 38 years. Well, there's this pool of water that randomly and periodically, they believed an angel of the Lord would come, stir the water, and whoever was able to get into that pool of water while it was being stirred, I don't know how long it stayed stirring. I don't know all that, but I don't think it was very long. If they could get in while the angel of the Lord had stirred that water, they could be healed. So you can imagine, people who had illnesses, we heard the, the lame, the blind, this guy right here, people who had those things, this is like, like even better than the odds on the lottery. Like all you got to do is get in the water. And this guy had been able to, unable to do that for 38 years because every time the water was stirred and he had been waiting for who knows how long for this to happen, somebody would get in his way. Now, there's a, a curious thing about this story that kind of stands out to me personally. When I read this story, I was like, this is kind of different than a lot of the other miracles Jesus did. Not because Jesus 
didn't do different miracles. If you read the Bible, he did all kinds of different types of miracles. So it's not different on Jesus' end. It's really different on the guy's end to me. Because I don't know about you, I don't feel like this guy really exhibited any amount of faith. He just told what was going on. Jesus is like, you want to be healed? Yeah, but I'm having problems, and these are my problems. This is why I can't be healed. And I read stories of other people getting healed where there's a woman who's bleeding for 12 years, and she goes through a crowd that she had no business being in because she was unclean, and she fights not to talk to Jesus, but just to touch the hem of his garment. What an act of faith. You have a guy, a soldier who comes up to Jesus and says, look, I don't even need you to go to my house. If you'll just say my kid's healed, he'll be healed. What an act of faith. A woman that's called a dog by Jesus, she says, you can call me what you want to call me, but I'm getting what I came to get. An act and a real, like, just exhibition of I'm going to get this in faith. And this guy's just like, yeah, man, been having problems. But Jesus healed him anyway. Here's what hit me about carrying our mat is that our mat doesn't limit God. It limits us. Our mat does not limit God. It limits us. If I decide to pick up the, meat, the mat in any area of my life and sleep, then I'm going to begin to view through that sleepy eye. But that doesn't stop God. I've heard countless stories of people saying, I was doing my own thing in life. I probably should have been killed in this car accident. All this stuff that happened, but all of a sudden God showed up, meaning that the mat they chose to carry didn't limit him. It actually just limited, limits us on our ability to see who he desires to be in our life. I love in the Old Testament the story of a guy named Job because I believe Job's story really draws out this principle of the fact that God's divinity is greater than any of our circumstance or what we're doing. We are unable to stop God by the way that we're living our life because he is bigger than us. And we're going to read about that in Job, but in order to get the picture of this, I want to briefly hit just kind of a short, quick summary of what was going on in Job. Job was this guy in the Old Testament who loved God, who obeyed God, who sacrificed to God. He had an honor and a respect and a zeal for who God was in his life. And Job had a great life. One day, the angels are coming to see God, and it says Satan came with them. And Satan rolls up, and God says, hey, where you been, Satan? And he said, oh, I've been traveling to and fro, just trying to mess with folks across the earth. And God says, have you tried my servant Job? Like, have you tested him? Because he loves me. And he's like, yeah. It's easy to love somebody when you have a cushy life, when you have everything you need. You take some of that stuff away and see what Job does. Everything got taken away from Job. Family, his livestock, servants, everything got taken away. And he still did not disown God. So the angels are going to see God again, and Satan's with them. And God's, God's like, hey, where you been? And he said, oh, I'm roaming to and fro. And he's like, well, have you tried my servant Job? And he's like, look, I took everything, but you and I both know that it's easy to keep moving forward when everything around you gets taken, but man, you start messing with the person, and then they'll give up. They'll say, no, I, yeah, you can hurt everything around me, but don't hurt me. And so God says, all right, well, let's see. 
So Job has these wounds on him that he's scraping, all this massive pain, but all throughout Job, he never disowns God, never turns or curses God. But what does happen is his wife says, man, you need to give up and curse God because obviously God is mad with you and there's no point in this. You need to curse him and die because it's not worth living. But Job didn't do that. He has his friends that come and his friends are like, they ultimately are saying, Job, you obviously did something wrong because their view was through the sleeping mat of if it happens a certain way, that if God does something a certain way, that's my filter. So they just simply thought if somebody had bad things going on in their life, that means they were sinning and they weren't lining up with God. Therefore, God is punishing them. And God didn't like that either because remember, God is not bound by our mat. You might have had a moment during this worship service when we were doing the music. You might have had a moment where you felt energized. You felt the strength of God. You felt the presence of God right in that moment. Or maybe you've had another moment where you felt God strongly. But I'm here to tell you, you might show up next weekend and you might not have that same feeling. Does that mean God's no longer around? Am I looking through the filter of sleeping? Or am I willing to stretch and say, you know what, God? Maybe that was just one moment where you wanted to show me your face, and there's other moments that you want to show me your face too. Our mat doesn't limit God. It limits us. The story goes on with this guy. We pick it up at the end of verse 9. It says, and we're going to read through 11. It says, the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. On the count of three, I want everybody to scream out as loud as you can. Uh-oh, one, two, three. What is that? Now I got to start the scripture over because I'm like, so the day which it took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, these are the church people, the leaders in the church, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. I'm about to share with you my thoughts around this. And I might be stretching this a little bit. So don't leave here talking about this is exactly what God intended with this. But when I read this story and I engage with the text, I read about a guy who when he was first approached by Jesus and asked what did he want and be healed, he just said, yeah, I got this, got this mad. I'm trying to get this, but it's just not working out. He just seems like all the energy of him trying to use the way and the law and the regulation of something happening to get healed, of getting in this pool, and that's the only way I can be healed. I'm bound by this regulation, and I just can't get it. it just, he just seemed to have no interest or no strong desire. But when I see him now facing the ones and the leaders who are all about regulation, all about following laws, and have called him out on one of them that you're not supposed to be doing work, including carrying your mat on the Sabbath, I feel like he looks at them with a little bit of attitude and said, I'm not bound by your little rules because I ran into a man that is bigger than the rules and I'm going to carry my mat. And the reason why I'm going to carry it is because I had a man that told me to get up and walk and that changed my life forever. He went from sleeping, thinking that some random act 
Some random stirring could actually heal him. A band-aid to cover a wound that was too big for a band-aid to heal. He went from looking at it that way to looking at it differently. And so here's what hit me about our mat. Our mat changes our outlook. Our mat and the mat we decide to pick up changes our outlook. You know, this guy, when Jesus asked him, he said, if somebody could get me down to the pool. You ever have somebody that was moving saying, kind of throw hints? Yeah, I'm moving this weekend, really could use a little help. I felt like this guy was throwing hints. Hey, if you can hang around, I don't know when this angel's coming back, but if, if you can hang around and like help me get into the pool, then this would happen. He went from a if then to a he can. If I could get this, then maybe it'll happen to, no, he did it. And it's now changed the way that I'm looking and seeing my life, seeing my potential. You know, he was waiting on a random potential of a stirring to change his life. But it was actually the stirring of God on his heart that changed his life for good and gave him a steady, consistent change in his life. Our mat will change our outlook. And I had an area of my life where I was sleeping for a very long time and God had to change my outlook so that I would begin stretching. The area was people-pleasing. Now, I used to, I didn't always notice this. Sometimes it was kind of flew under the radar uh, of my observation of myself. And I used to sometimes mask or hide or just think, oh, Michael's an extrovert. He likes people. He's going to come into a crowd. We're going to have fun. He's going to make you laugh. He's going to listen to you when you're talking. You're going to have a great conversation. And when you leave, I just wanted to make sure that when I walked away, you liked Michael. But ultimately, I realized the reason why I wanted that was because Michael wasn't okay with Michael deep down in my heart. And I felt like if these people like me, then I might like myself at the depth that God wants me to be okay with myself. It wasn't that I was mad at myself or wanted to do anything. I just knew that my identity was trying to be found in being pleasing to people. And do you know what? Year after year, day after day, I failed to find and be settled in my identity. And I feel like if you ask me, Michael, what's the biggest crisis that we have going on, that's ever gone on, but it's going on in the world today. I would say it's a crisis of identity because we haven't taken time to get in with God and let him say who we are, and I struggled with that. And so about 10 years ago, God began to go, hey, man, this whole you being like liked by everybody, this is something that you've been sleeping on, and you need to be stretched and so I took him up on it and decided to get stretched. And I realized when I began to give up the, the need and the feeling that if people like me, then I'll know who I am. And I began to rest into God to tell me who he designed me to be, the gifts that he's given me, the gifts that he ain't given me. And I began to be settled in myself, for myself, through God, the one who created me. It gave me such a better peace, such a greater joy. It helped me not lean into false things about just being the live person in the crowd to actually being in a crowd and being quiet and just listening 
and watching and being okay with that, not being the center of attention. Now, I wish that like this guy in the story, it would have just been God snapped his fingers and I was good. I'm healed. But it wasn't. To this day, I have moments where God puts me in front of these two mats and he says, Michael, do you just want those people to like you because you want to walk away feeling good about yourself? Because if you do, you know how that feels. You're sleeping on who you really are. But if you can fight that, then you can be stretched. I am constantly faced with these two decisions. And the reason why is because mostly in our relationship with God, we have a moment that is powerful and where we go, I want to change that. And then we have to take step by step by step by step by step by step every day past that, working on allow, allowing God to heal those areas where we slept for so long. I love the end of this story. I'm going to skip verse 12 and 13, but let me tell you what's going on, and I'm going to read verse 14 here in a moment. So the Sabbath, that the leaders have been like, hey, man, you can't be carrying your mat. And he said, hey, the one who told me said I need to get up and walk. And then they say, well, who is this guy? Because they want to find him and call him out. And he, didn't, he goes, I don't know his name. And he starts looking around. And he's like, man, there's too many people. I don't see him anymore. So then we get to verse 14, John 5. It says, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. And I love this next verse. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Hold on. We just heard of a Jesus that healed a man, even when the guy wasn't really like strongly asking for it. And now has he turned into angry Jesus? And like, hey man, has he gone back to, the, to what Job's friends thought and saying, hey, understand if you're going through anything bad, it's only because you have done something wrong. No, Jesus wasn't doing that. This is funny to me because I don't remember a time in the Bible, and my memory's not great, so I might be wrong about this, but I don't remember a time where Jesus had a follow-up conversation with somebody he had healed, like just a, a few moments later. And I remember him telling people, don't go sin anymore, but I don't remember him saying to them, hey, if you sin, then you're gonna end up worse than you were before. I believe what Jesus was trying to let this guy understand is, is, hey man, you had a moment where you set down the mat you had been walking on and living on. But what you need to understand is you had 38 years of carrying a mat where you had been sleeping in life, been looking for something that wasn't really the answer. And you had a moment where you met the one who can be the answer, but you had 38 years of sleeping on a mat. So though you've picked up this mat, and you understand life can be different. You understand life can be stretched. You need to also know that this mat is going to be calling your name day after day. And it might not be in this area. It might be in another area. But it's going to be calling. And we're going to be left with the decision. 
do I believe the one that I encountered in that moment or that day? Or do I let all the circumstances of life wash out the reality of who he is? That he's bigger than me. That he's greater than me. That I can't boil him down to just a moment or a circumstance. That yes, my actions do have consequence. But God is bigger than that consequence. What I love about Job is that statement where he said, God said, have you tried Job? In other words, when God looked at Job, he saw that he could stretch. Job didn't know that. Job just knew that he lost everything. We get to read the story and we get to see that. But God is looking at us and he's saying the exact same thing. When he sees you, he doesn't see a mat like this. He sees this. But he's not going to force us to take this. But if we take it, then maybe we'll begin to see what he sees. Maybe we'll begin to see that there's hope and there's life. And there really is something that can be a consistency through our life and to change us. So what matter are we walking around with? What matter are we carrying? Because God's not limited by it, but it is going to limit us in the way that we see him. And it has the potential to shift our outlook and change the way we're living, change the way we're walking, maybe just in one area for right now that he wants us to see. If you will, stand to your feet with me. And as you stand, I want you to imagine that you and I have gone on a trip together. And it's just me and you. I've done an individual trip with everyone here. If you're watching uh, and joining us live stream, I'm taking a trip with you. And we're doing something I love to do. We're going out to the woods and we're going to go camping. So if you don't like that, imagine today you love camping. And we go out there and we got the perfect spot. It's right by this river running by. You don't even need a noisemaker to go to sleep. You got the river trickling right behind you. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful day, but it is cold. And so getting in the river for refreshment, not a wise idea. Because it's cold to the point that if you get in the river and come out, the chance of being hypothermic is very, like, you're going to, it's going to be a bad day. You could potentially die. And I accidentally fall in the river. And I make my way out of the river, and I'm drenched. And now I am freezing cold. The water's cold. The air around us is below freezing. I'm freezing, and I know if something doesn't change, then I'm probably going to lose my life. And I call out to you, and I say, hey, I need help. I fell in the river. And so you immediately go back to the campsite, and you start making a fire. And I stand over here away from you, and I'm like, gosh, I told you. Did you not hear me? I need help. And you're like, I, I'm building a fire for you. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm over here and you're not going to help me. I'm freezing. I'm going to die if you don't get over here and help me. And you're confused and you bring me a blanket and wrap it around me. And I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. This is really helping. I feel a little warmer, but I'm still going to die because my clothes are wet. My body from the core out is cold. Will you not help me? And at this point, you look at me crazy because you're over here with a fire. And you're like, I have built you a fire because I know if you can just come to the fire, then your clothes will be dried out and you can be warmed up from the inside out. I believe that's what God does with us. He builds us a fire. He says, I have good things for you. 
I have something that I want to do for you in your marriage. I want to do something in your family. I want to do something with your job. I want to do something in your relationships. I want to do something with that physical uh, ailment you've been going through. I have a fire that I want to do. And we're just standing over here going, why won't you do anything? I've been hurt in church, and so therefore God just wants to hurt me. I'm not going over there. You need to come to me. I'm not going to do anything. Just come to me. God's going, no, no, I got the fire, really. If you'll just stretch your legs and walk over to the fire, you can be warmed up. You can be changed from the inside out. And you can begin to see what real life is like. You can begin to have something consistent that when the days are tough, when the days are hard, when you don't feel like doing it anymore, you have a God in heaven that says, I'm bigger than that moment. I'm bigger than that feeling of depression or feeling like you're not worthwhile. And I desperately want to show you that you are worthwhile. If you'll just come to the fire, if you'll just come to me, I'm there and I'm waiting. If you will, close your eyes with me. I have two questions that I want you to respond to because I think responding lets God know that, hey, I hear you, God, and I really, I really want to change. First question, maybe your whole life has been sleeping with God because you've just been trying to do it by yourself. Maybe hurts, maybe pains, maybe things you've seen have just kept you away from really having a relationship with God. If you're here today, and you've never had that initial moment of starting that relationship, then I want to give you an opportunity because that's where it begins. That's the moment that changes everything. If you're here today or you're watching us and streaming in and you don't have that relationship, right where you are, I want you to put your hand up and then you can put it back down once you've raised it. I see your hand. Anybody else, just raise your hand up real high then you can put it down. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, ma'am. Second question, maybe during this message somewhere at some point, you felt like God was putting his thumb on you and saying, hey, you have an area you've fallen asleep, and I want you to wake up and begin to stretch. Even if it doesn't change, I want you to stretch. If you're here and you have an area you felt like God really put his thumb on you, I just want you to raise your hand up and say, God, I heard you. I see hands all over. My hand is up with you. I have areas where I'm at risk of just going, ah, oh, I'm done, but I know that I need to keep wrestling. Remember, wrestling is not quitting. It might not feel good, and you might not have that great feeling yet, but part of stretching is continuing to wrestle and not just giving up. So you can put your hands down. We're going to pray a prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer loud after me where you can hear yourself because there's power in those words, and you're saying this to God to let him know you heard him. Repeat this loud. God, I love you. Thank you for your son. He died for me. And he was raised for me. So that I have the opportunity to experience consistent and full life. So today, I'm tired of sleeping. I want to wake up. I want to be stretched so that I can live this life for now and eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all give God a hand clap for those people. 
Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.